And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. I love the Raiders. Most of all, I love the win. You are now listening to State of the Nation with Jimmy Durkin, Vic Tafer, Ted Nguyen, and Deshaun Reed on the Athletic Podcast Network. With the 17th pick in the 2021 NFL Draft, the Las Vegas Raiders select... Alex Leatherwood, tackle, Alabama. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to State of the Nation here on the Athletic Podcast Network. Jimmy Durkin, Vic Tafer, Ted Wynn, Tashawn Reed, ready to discuss the Raiders' first-round pick. And they don't like to go popular picks, man. They don't care about your mock draft. They don't care about big boards. They care about who they like. And they took Alabama offensive lineman Alex Leatherwood, a guy who... Um, in some projections, he might be better fit as a guard. They view him as their day one starter at right tackle. Uh, he he played most recently played left tackle for Alabama, but he does have experience, you know, on other parts of the line. So, I mean, I guess you have fallback options with him if he doesn't really work out at right tackle. But that's not what you're thinking right now. He's he's our pick at number seventeen, and he's going to be their day one starting right tackle. I like the pick a lot. If it was a second round pick, I think. Um... He definitely, I can see why they like him. He definitely is a big-time run blocker, kind of a mauler, kind of fits that Tom Cable style. Uh, got some good athleticism. But um, I just think they don't really have a sense of, uh, still, after all these years, of draft value, where guys are on the board relative to other teams in the league. I think that, um, I know Mike Mack mentioned they had a chance to trade back. They didn't like the offer. They didn't want to risk losing him. But I just think they have to have a, b- a bigger picture of these things after all these years where it seems like they reach every year for guys when maybe they didn't have to. Yeah, I think it's fine if, if Alex Leatherwood is their guy. Like, I think he's a good player. You know, he started the last two years at a left tackle for Alabama, and he'll have to make a transition going to the right side. But uh, obviously they're confident he can pull it off. You know, our draft analyst, Dane Brugler, even though he had Leatherwood rated as a second-round player, he did mock him going in the first round the morning of the draft before it started. So it's not unthinkable for him to go in the first round, but at best he was he was viewed as like a, a late, very late first round type guy. And you just have to imagine, like even, I don't know what made the trade back a bad offer, you know, in terms of the compensation they were getting back, but I'm pretty sure Leatherwood would have still been there, you know, if that, if that slot they were trading to was somewhere in the 20s. So even if you get something and you still get your guy, I think that's better than just staying put at 17. You know, I know Mike Mayock said that the team needed a tackle, but I mean, pretty clearly, you know, Christian Darisaw was, was probably the guy, you know, a team like the Vikings, maybe if that was a team that they were talking to, would have moved up and gotten, or, or maybe even Tevin Jenkins or somebody else. I just think it's, it's really unlikely that somebody else would have took Alex Leatherwood, that 17 spot. I don't think they maximized the draft value, but at the end of the day, like if he winds up, you know, being a good starter at right tackle, nobody will care. So obviously, you know, we can't evaluate that until the season gets here. Yeah, Leatherwood is a high-end athlete, tested really well, pretty long for a guy that's not super tall, uh, explosive lower body. A lot of his issues are have to do with technique, and I, I think 
they're taking kind of like a Colton Miller type of approach to him. Big time athlete that they think they coach up and develop. And he's not as far away um, as Miller was. Miller was just really raw when, when they drafted him. So I, I see what they like in Leatherwood. But going back to Vic's point, it's just the value standpoint of it. The problem with the Raiders is they get so locked into these guys that are kind of low value when you look at how the rest of the league is looking at them. You know, like Clellan Farrell and Jonathan Abram. And I get it. Like, you you like your guys, but at the same time, like, you can't get so locked into one player that it kind of destroys your ability to get value out of these draft picks. And if that's the philosophy they're going to take going forward, we're going to keep seeing these type of reaches. I think if, you know, to be a, a good general manager, you have to have, like, two or three guys you like at certain spots and be okay with potentially losing them to get your draft value. You guys aren't so good at scouting that you know these guys are going to be good. You should have like a a group of guys that you say, say these guys have a chance to be good. So I think that's a problem and that's going to be a huge problem if they don't kind of rethink their philosophy to drafting. You know, and I think the point that you know, Vic wrote this, he, he made this point, is that if these guys that they have, you know, quote unquote reached for were consistently... Like, okay, that, wow, that guy ended up being really good. You know, if Cleveland Furl, you know, he's a solid rotational player. He's a guy you like to have on your team. But, you know, if he had come in and like, oh, yeah, yeah, that guy is, you know, maybe not worth the number four pick because we know they didn't want to spend a number four pick on him. But if he was worth the top 15 or if you could see that value. But the problem is that, you know, you look at the guys that they have, quote unquote, reach for is that they've then played and continue to look like reach. They haven't earned the benefit of our doubt to say, okay, you know what? That's your guy. I mean, Mayock says last night, this was Tom Cable's favorite player. And we let Tom Cable make the pick essentially and let him have his favorite player. I guess if there's anybody you trust there, you, you do trust Tom Cable, although you still have to blame him for Brandon Parker, but he got the Colton Miller pick right. And uh, we'll see if he gets this one right. I think all of us on, on, on this panel had different guys we liked better. Like we, I liked Derisaw better. You guys were in on Jenkins. And apparently they liked this guy, Leatherwood, better than those two guys. I think Jenkins, we're seeing, had some injury concerns. He's falling down the board. So really, I guess the comp will be going forward, you know, Leatherwood versus Derisaw. We'll see which guy plays better. I think Derisaw also fit a lot of Tom Cable kind of style needs. So they obviously felt Leatherwood was better. So we'll have to see if, if they're right. It just goes back to, you know, how locked in they get with these guys, you know, is they haven't hit on these guys. So why are you so sure that these guys that you love so much are going to work out? You know, you should have a few guys that you like and be okay with with trading back and be okay with the small chance that they could be off the board because you could still get value. Well, you got to keep trying. Right? You think you're due. You think you're due to hit one. Like if uh, my shooters <laughs> shoot, like if I'm shooting up my threes and I miss the first four, I'm still jacking up the fifth shot. I'm still, it's going to go in. So I think that's what it is. That's okay if you're Steph Curry, but if you're, <laughs> you know, like Ronald, Ronald Artest or something, you're miss, you know, you keep missing, then you got to stop shooting <laughs> eventually. Like if, if you can't find a trade back partner and you're going to stay at 17, you know, I, I knew I was, you know, against the best player available thing but if they were out on Darisaw and Jenkins for whatever reason like at that point all right just take the best defensive guy like fine just do it and then because you can get somebody if not Leatherwood somebody like him in that range in the second round with your pick there just if you want a serviceable starter at right tackle even though that's not what I would would have done that's a better maximization of your your draft capital there so yeah I just just think they kind of mismanaged it there in the first round 
if you love a guy so much, like say that they love this Tom Cable's favorite guy in the whole draft class, and they all love the film, the whole team's the whole stats behind this pick. I'm sure in your mind at 17, like, wait, if we trade back, this guy may be he may be taken. We're gonna risk losing our guy. So I think you definitely can in your own mind play it up where like we gotta do this now. We gotta make sure we get the guy we love now because why risk it? So I get you can talk yourself into these things, I think, a little bit, and that's probably been part of their problem the last few years. All right. Well, I want to go back to uh, Vic mentioned shoot or shoot. And uh, if we're going to talk about shooting this offseason, do you shoot for Aaron Rodgers? That's a good segue. Um, wow. the, probably the wildest part of uh, of the NFL draft day was you know, a few hours before the draft. Aaron Rodgers reports come out that he wants out of Green Bay. He's we've kind of heard rumblings of him being not too happy there, unsure of his future. And it all really goes back to the first round of last year's draft when the Packers traded up to take Jordan Love and kind of start the wheels in motion of a succession plan. Well, he's apparently pissed off enough that he doesn't want to play for Green Bay again. Now, the Packers at this point say they will not trade him. This will be something, obviously, to monitor throughout the offseason. I mean, how dug in will Rodgers ultimately end up being? Will he really force a trade? You know, When the news first came out Thursday, it seemed like it was unlikely that anything could happen quick enough to involve the 2021 draft uh, in terms of sending first rounders and all that. But uh, we'll see what happens this offseason. I mean, if you're the Raiders and, you know, there's supposedly three teams that he would go to, the 49ers are probably out, you would assume now after taking Trey Lance and the Broncos and the Raiders are the other two teams. And those are supposedly the favorites if he were to get traded. I, I mean, if you're the Raiders, you have to pursue it, right? Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's Aaron Rodgers plus, I mean, you know, allegedly the other team that's, that's in the mix is in your division. So, Unless you want to be in a division with Aaron Rodgers and Patrick Mahomes, <laughs> you should probably try to make a move there. And I know with the Packers, you know, of course, if they trade Aaron Rodgers, theoretically, like they would want Jordan Love to step in as a successor. But given that they want to keep Aaron Rodgers, you would think that they they don't think Jordan Love is ready yet to, to go ahead and start. So if they were to say package a deal around getting Derek Carr back. You know, that's a pretty good quarterback. You know, he's not Aaron Rodgers, of course, but if, if Aaron Rodgers is going to go host Jeopardy instead of playing football, then uh, having Derek Carr, you better than having nobody there, especially if you don't think love is ready. And so and then with Derek Carr not having that long term contract locked in, you know, if you just want to give love one more year to develop and then, you know, if Derek Carr, which I'm sure he would play well, uh, given all the talent that they have on the offensive side of the ball there in Green Bay. Devontae Adams, his college receiver, man. he's That's his, his favorite receiver in the league. Yeah, and so if he balls out there, you could probably trade Derek Carr for at least a first-round pick, you would think. And so if you end up getting some firsts from the Raiders and then you can flip Carr for another first and then Love is ready to go in 2022, then that's a pretty good haul. It's not great. I mean, you know, it's Aaron Rodgers. You're never going to match that probably. But just looking forward, that, that'd be a pretty good deal. And so if the Raiders could could sell them on that, I would definitely do it. Yeah, maybe it could even work a, a three-way trade for a, a team that might want to keep Carr, you know, long-term a little bit, so there's less moving parts with that. But yeah, I, I think you know if you have a chance at Rodgers, you got to take it. But I, I think having Jordan Love in the fold does make things a little trickier. I was gonna say first off, I think um, if you are Aaron Rodgers and you're having some issues with your contract negotiation, he wants the extension. They've been working on it. Obviously, it hasn't been going that smoothly. So, what leverage does he have? What, what better leverage does he have than to say, "Screw you guys! I'm not coming back." And they're like, "Oh crap! I mean, we got we need you back." So, I think one to me, it's a great leverage play on his part. And he hasn't said anything. It's all been sources and reports. He can always come out of this. You know, I didn't. I never said that. And I'm I'm happy to be here. Got a new deal. Blah, blah, blah. You know, I love Green Bay. Yada yada yada. And if, as far as the Raiders go, 
I think it's hard. I think it's really hard to try. I know you got to make the call. Obviously, I mean, John Gruden loves Aaron Rodgers. He's said in the past. Uh, I'm sure he's very excited about the possibility of getting Aaron Rodgers. But it's hard when you've planned your whole offseason around them financially and moves you made. You never budgeted like a backup closet. Wait, if he becomes available, we have this amount of money available to get the, to make it work salary cap-wise and cash-wise. So that would be hard to fit him in. And I think the other problem I have with this is that I don't see the Packers really wanting Derek Carr back in a trade. So I think that would be the biggest issue of why this couldn't couldn't work. I think if you're the Packers, you obviously have, have your guy in the future. If you are going to rip the band-aid off and say, okay, you know, see you, Aaron Rodgers, you got to go with the guy you brought in that pissed him off in the first place. You can't bring a, a bridge guy in, I don't think, especially a guy making $19.5 million, who hasn't played very well in cold weather in his, in his history. So I'm not sure it works for the Raiders. I think, I mean, they probably won't try. I don't see how they get it done if that's really what they want to do. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. All right, let's get back to the draft, and uh, we look ahead to the second round, and obviously by the time a lot of you guys might be listening to this, the second round is underway or done or whatnot, but as we look quickly ahead, when the second round starts... The Raiders need a safety, and the top two guys, Trevon Morg and Richie Grant, are available. The Raiders sit at 48. They also have 79 and 80 in the third round. Do you think they approach or look into making a trade to move up? Or if you're Mike Mayock, you know, he said he, he feels pretty good about sitting there and not needing to make a move. Do you think he kind of sits there and just sees how long it goes until one of the safeties comes off the board and then kind of evaluates it and, and tries to figure out if one of those two guys is going to fall to them? Or are we just stupid for even trying to think of them looking at one of the top two safeties? Or should we just be preparing for them to take Andre Sisco at 48? Yeah, I think that they'll explore trades. You know, I asked Mayock about that last night. He said he might make some calls at night and in the morning uh, just to see potentially what it would take to move up. You know, they have a ton of draft capital, not just 79 and 80, but also 121 and a couple of fifth round picks that they could use to to swing a deal there. You know, I think, like you said, one of the safety safeties goes off the board pretty quickly there. Maybe, you know, really early in the second round, maybe they panic a little bit and think they have to move up to make sure to get the other one. I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility, like you said, that they draft somebody at 48 that most people don't think would go at 48. I do think safety should be the priority there. Um, Dane Brugler, he put out a, a day two mock today and he had them getting UCF's Richie Grant at 48, him falling down to him there. If that played out, I think that'd be the best case scenario because you can get the guy that arguably might be the best safety in the draft while still holding on to that, that capital that you have later on in the draft. But 
there's really no predicting what the Raiders do at this point. Like, I think that's pretty clear after yesterday. But you would think, given just the makeup of the roster and, and safety being the only true need they have when it comes to finding somebody that can start year one, that that would be the focus here. I just think uh, Morig is heads and shoulders above any other safety in this class. So if they have a chance to get him and he, you know, he drops maybe to 36 or something like that, you know, you might want to move up and, and get him. Uh, to me, he just is a guy who has some elite traits. And I, I think a lot of the other safeties have some holes in our game. I, I think, uh, yeah, you get him, you start him day one. So it'd be interesting to see uh, how far he drops. Yeah, I'm also very high on Morig. I think he clearly is the best guy. And so uh, for me, the question is, is who is their third guy? If we're assuming Morig and Grant are the two top guys, which I think is, is pretty fair assumption, two top safeties available, who is their third guy? And are they happy with that guy? Would he be a fit for them, a guy who could start right away? Is it Johnny Holland? I'm not very high on him, but I could see that. So I think you probably wait until one of these guys goes, if it is Morig, and then really assess if you want to trade up, say, 10 spots, which won't cost you an arm and a leg, and get the other guy, or wait till 48 and see who who's left. But I do think it'll be a safety. I think they want to address their two biggest needs these first two rounds. They checked off the right tackle box. I think the safety box is next. Yeah, I think if they don't get Morig or Grant, then I guess Mayock wasn't lying about being high on Jeff Heath, just because I don't think the other safety available. <laughs> like, I just don't think that they'll be ready year one because, you know, Javon Holland, I think he's more of a kind of a nickel safety. You know, I, I know people keep getting on me for calling him a strong safety, but he's not a free safety, I don't think. Maybe he could pull it off. You know, he's at, he's athletic enough to do it. He's also a guy that opted out. I know Mayock's kind of backpedaled a little bit yesterday, but I still don't think they love players who opted out of 2020. And then Andre Sisco, you know, he has the traits to be that center fielder type of free safety, but he's kind of reckless. You know, he's kind of he's not quite like Abram, but he has some of those same tendencies. So I'm not sure you want two guys that are kind of like Abram back there, you know, especially given that they play they're playing more single high with this new system. It's just kind of, you know, as a rookie, I don't I don't know if that's happening year one. So I don't think if they get don't get Morig or Grant, I think it's probably pretty likely that Jeff Heath is is the day one starting free safety this season. I mean, Mayock already acknowledged, you know, in his pre-draft news there where he said, this is not that deep of a safety class. You know, there's a few guys early on and then then it kind of drops off a cliff. And I think we we know that. I mean, we've, we've all said and written that really Morgan Grant are probably the only two starting caliber ones. You would think that's where they go in the second round. We'll see if either of those guys fall to them. Uh, but before we get out of here and get everybody ready for day two of the draft, we will take a few questions. Got one here from Tom M. Is it fair to say that Tom Cable has more juice than Mike Mayock when it comes to the draft for the Raiders? Also, how long before Mayock and the Raiders agree to mutually part ways? Tom Cable, the new Raiders GM, I guess. Well, I think um, clearly the Colton Miller thing. I mean, that's that's the, the one great um, draft pick of the last, I guess, five years. I mean, Max Crosby, but it's a high draft pick. So I think... And the fact that they traded down right. for him. So he gets a lot of juice for that one. I think definitely that overshadows Brandon Parker miss. I think you definitely need a right tackle. Everyone said that's what they wanted to get. They want a cornerstone there. So it kind of gave him, I think, the run of the land. Like, you know, Tom, find us a guy. And I think he did. And they obviously went with it. So I think that's about as far as his juice would go. I think Mayak is still uh, probably above Tom in the pecking order. But, I mean, as far as the future, I mean, that's a, that's a popular storyline again this year, I think. Uh, it's a big draft for, for Mayak and Gruden. I think they have to hit some on some picks. Last year they had some issues. I think if they don't, I think I've written this, if they don't have a great or good year this year, they don't improve on 8-8. Eight and eight. I would uh, be curious 
what their future is together next year. Yeah, I don't envy Mayock at all. I mean, uh, we all know Gruden is calling the shots here at the end of the day, but you know he kind of takes a lot of the flack for it, and you know he's the guy that talks to us after every round or every day of the draft. I don't, I don't know if it's always been like this with Gruden, but you know both of my years covering the draft, he just never talks to us apparently after these picks. <laughs> so Mayock is the guy that everybody you know asking the questions, pressing him on these things, and the fans all react to him. Yeah, he takes a lot of the, a lot of the blame, I think, when either these picks don't turn out or you know the picks look questionable, you know, immediately as they happen. John talked the first year he was here in the draft. I think it was the first, I forgot if it was the first night or last night. It took one of the nights, but I think after the Cleo Mack trade, it pretty much uh, got mad at the media, and I don't think he's ever forgiven us for the reaction. So I think he's kind of let Mike do most of the, almost all the talk and talk since the end of the season. So I think Gruden's happy to. Kind of just let Mike do it and not deal with us at all unless he has to during the regular season. All right. Last question before we get out of here. And this is kind of a, really just a combination of, of several questions. Uh, so I, I won't even directly read them out, but just, just kind of paraphrase. Is there any truth to the report? There's there's something out there from uh, Pro Football Network's uh, Tony Pauline that uh, heads will roll in the front office after the draft. There's friction in the front office. A lot of divide over the Alex Leatherwood pick, and it kind of goes back to even the Damon Arnett pick and the Cleveland Furl pick. Do you guys know anything? Make anything out of out of those reports? And, and any thoughts that this pick uh, is creating can, is either is furthering some of the divide within that front office, and that heads could roll. I was learning that report. I mean, it's, it's hard to acknowledge reports that kind of come out of nowhere because I mean, uh, pretty random. But I don't think the pick last night was gonna it's gonna be one that caused a lot of problems. I think they obviously all agreed to need the right tackle. They wanted the draft. It was definitely the big focus of this draft was to get a starting right tackle, and they did. Uh, whether or not they all agreed on, on the guy, I think don't think that's gonna be one uh, that, that makes heads roll. I think that might be you know, a year off, but. Um, I guess some guys, you know, they, they do mock drafts. When their picks don't come true, they're kind of trying to find reasons why they didn't. I think uh, a lot of people thought they are going to draft a cornerback in round one because they hate Damon Arnett. But I think the whole Damon Arnett is a bust narrative is a little quick. I think the Raiders aren't totally giving up on Damon Arnett. I'm sure they, they hope he has a good offseason and they want to see him back. They like his aggressive style of play. So I don't think uh, Damon Arnett is a bust. So I think that whole narrative has to slow down just a little bit. All right. Well, that'll wrap up this episode of State of the Nation. We'll be back after the draft ends uh, early next week to recap the whole draft. But before we get out of here, in honor of day two of the draft, in honor of Willie Brown, we got to remind everybody, Mother's Day is coming. Make sure you uh, take care of your mom on Mother's Day. When's Mother's Day? That's like May 9th? May 9th. I got some time. It scared me. I was like, oh, is this Sunday? I was like, I got Mother's I, Day I, I, is I coming, buy. man. Willie Brown. <laughs> like, see, without Willie I, Brown here, anything. without right. Willie Brown here, you uh, got to remember. You got to sing a song to the moms. If not on this episode, to the next episode. We need some Kings of Leon out of you, Vic. I'll find a different Kings of Leon song I can sing. Not that one, but don't they have another song? They have another big song, right? Not Sex is on Fire. That's not a good Mother's Ooh, Day song. Ooh, that'd be, that'd be a good one for the mom. <laughs> Sex is on Fire. I like that one. All right. That, that may work. All right. All right. Next episode, Vic, singing Sex is on Fire. rehearse. It's going to be good. Later. Adios. All right, Joe.
As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.